You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Touchdown. All about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello, welcome in Revenge of the Birds podcast listeners, your complete cards coverage. We've got our second uh, bi-week special this week. We've got Walter Mitchell, uh, the uh, one of our favorite writers on RevengeOfTheBirds.com, has a plethora of Cardinals knowledge throughout the year, is joining us. Uh, if you haven't heard us before, uh, I'm the co-host Blake Murphy on Twitter, at BlakeMurphy7. We also have John Venerable, who's at Johnny Touchdown, joining us for that one. So, uh, John, Walter, how, how are you guys doing today? I'll start with John. I'm doing well, Blake. It's it's a little sad that we don't get Kyler Murray today. Uh, it's our first time being uh, having Kyler withdrawals uh, since the preseason, but hopefully it leads to uh, a nice bye week resurgence by the Arizona Cardinals. And we're doing something uh, a little bit um, different this week. We're 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 churning out a bunch of content, and we've got very special guests, uh, as Blake mentioned. Um, Walter Mitchell, who is uh, one of the featured writers for RevengeOfTheBirds.com, um, gets a ton of comments, a ton of hits on, on all his his material. Walter, thank you for for jumping on with us today. How are you? Great, Johnny. Thank you and Blake for having me on. And uh, want to give a shout out to Arizona State. I watched their game last night. I thought it was thrilling. I want to see Cardinals fan, Cardinals fans going crazy like that. Um, the way the ASU fans were. I also just saw Nikhil Harry catch his first touchdown from Tom Brady. So it's been a good weekend for ASU. And as someone who visited there as a teenager, I went there to play baseball twice, and um, it was a really fun time. I stayed in the dorms, and I, I've always loved ASU, and so I'm really happy for all all the people there, especially the alums. And um, so it's a good way to kick things off. How are you guys doing? Yeah, for me and my end, it's been good. Just the ready for the Thanksgiving weekend overall, and then there's been a an interesting staple of games at least this week. It does kind of feel like the had a huge rush of early morning games. Now there's just two that are playing on this Sunday afternoon, but still doesn't replace at least the allure of Cardinals football. We only get probably about you know. Five, uh, I believe it's five or so more of these games that are left for the season. But uh, let's talk about what the biggest story we're going to kind of sum up, do a little flash overview of the season so far. Uh, obviously, you can't really start or stop when you're not uh, when you're talking about the Cardinals without mentioning the play of Kyler Murray. He's right now at least looking to at least break the all-time uh, interception ratio, at least for the Cardinals. He's putting up over about almost 2,500 yards or so. Uh, it's going to break the record as far as for rushing. Um, John, I, I know that we've talked plenty about Kyler. We haven't as much yeah. as far as to hear from uh, Walter. I know that you had an article recently, Walter, looking at Murray to Kirk flashing a bit like Neil Lomax to Green. You've got a lot of history with being able to follow the Cardinals. What are some of your thoughts on Murray so far at the kind of two-thirds point, Walter? Well, one of the things I've been very impressed with is Murray's versatility. Um, I didn't know what to expect seeing him over under center. And as someone who's, you know, coached quarterbacks on a high school level, his ball handling and footwork are textbook. I mean, it's easy to take it for granted 
because these are pros. But for someone who played primarily shotgun all his life, to get under center and to be moving his feet um, as perfectly and, and all his ball fakes are outstanding, um, as are you know his little flip pitches, those aren't easy, um, and you've got to make the right pivot on those, and you have to, you know, that's something that takes practice. He's obviously been so well coached over the years, and um, and Cliff Kingsbury's done a great job of. And then on the flip side, I mean, we see all the talent, the arm strength, and his wheels. Uh, um, but the other thing that I love about him is he's Larry Fitzgerald-esque when it comes to um, putting the team first. There's no prima donna in this kid. Um, I love that about him. When he got player of the week, he uh, really diffused it and just said the only thing great about it is that it shows how much uh, we're improving. Um, and it's a we thing, not a me thing. And uh, that, that makes me very excited and very encouraged about the future. Yeah, I, I, I can totally echo that, Walter. It's it's good to get the perspective of somebody who has followed the team um, as long as you have. I know my, my father, who was – a long time St. Louis football Cardinal fan. We grew up just uh, two hours um, from St. Louis. Uh, really enjoys um, any time. Um, some of uh, the, the folks that follow the team around that area are able to, to speak on that. So I know he appreciates the knowledge that you have of the team and, and being able to read that content. So on the on the flip side, as we, we look at the, the positives offensively, uh, that being majority Murray, because uh, we know they have struggled um, at some of the receiver positions. Obviously, the running back situation remains in flux a little bit. Defensively, um, the Cardinals have had one of their poorest seasons in franchise history. Uh, and it really has, in my opinion, almost overshadowed uh, Murray's success. So in, in your opinion, Walter, you know, why do you think, uh, number one, the defense has played so poorly, given that they have some talent? And then number two is, you think it's the majority of that can be put on the defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph? Uh, unfortunately, I do. And, and on Steve Kime, because he's, you know, last year we suffered through the worst imaginable offense. Um, and now this year we're suffering through the worst imaginable defense. I There are high school defenses that play way better than this. Start gardening when you come out of the tunnel. Um, it's just egregious how many how many players are wide, wide open. And I, I'm sick of hearing coverage breakdowns and, and players looking at each other confused. You know, this was week 11. And every touchdown that the, uh, the 49ers had last week, except for one at the back of the end zone that Murphy was a step behind his man, every, uh, every one of those was wide open that, that you know, Blake, you, mm-hmm. Johnny, and I could have thrown those passes and caught them easily easily and that last blitz play when you when you stop it and look at what he did i mean left the middle of the field wide open he ran a delay blitz from a guy from the slot where buddha baker was so you know he's not going to get pressure immediate and so and then you don't rush either Suggs or jones so you don't get a back rush so easily Jimmy Garoppolo can just backpedal a couple of seconds, buy a couple extra seconds, seconds, and he's got a wide open middle and an easy waltz in touchdown with the game on the line. And and, and in a situation where the, at worst you got to give up a field goal, 
And that is just mind-boggling to me that a professional coach would call that kind of a blitz in that situation. And I'm not claiming this or anything, but if you're going to throw a football game, these are the kind of things you do. You don't cover people and you run crazy blitzes where you leave the middle of the field open. I'm still ticked about it, and I'm sort of I'm sick of getting ripped off as a Cardinals fan for, for having to see these kind of inept offenses and defenses. Now we've got the offense straightened out. Thank goodness they got rid of um, you know Mike McCoy, who, by the way, is still collecting a Cardinals paycheck somewhere in Southern California. <laughs> and, you know, thank Thank goodness for, for uh, Michael Bidwell for straightening that out by calling Ernie Accorsi, which I think he ought to call Ernie Accorsi again about who to, who to replace um, Vance Joseph with because this is totally unacceptable. And he's also not getting anything out of veterans like Suggs and Peterson, which are two very good players. And if you can't motivate them, if they're just going to walk around at half speed, then something's the matter. So, Rant ended for the for the moment, but I, I'm really upset about it. I think they've got to do something strong, and and I've also want to tie Steve kind to this because, you know, this is these are he's his two appointments. These guys, McCoy and Joseph, were supposed to be, you know, uh, you know, come in and be, you know, um, support systems for the new head coaches, and they've been everything but that. I mean, behind the scenes, I bet they're nice guys and everything. But on the field, they're doing nothing, nothing. I mean, we're seeing these great efforts from Kingsbury and Murray every week, and they're putting up points and against great teams like the 49ers, and they're in the games to win. And this defense just rolls over and does nothing, nothing to stop these guys and leaves people wide open and start looking around like they're confused. It's just very annoying. And I just hope that somehow um, in the offseason they can make the right moves so that we could have a competitive team that I believe with this offense could actually make quite a splash next year if they can get the defense figured out. Yeah, I, I agree. We talked with Ben Albright this week, and he had warned John and I earlier about the uh, the biggest difficulty that we'd see with Vance Joseph in coverage and was going to be the uh, press man cover zero, essentially living by the blitz but dying by the blitz. And um, what we've seen, unfortunately, has been a, more of a soft zone versus a press man type of defense back there. And uh, like you said, Walter, the lack of a true free safety. Like Jalen Thompson, you did a great job in – your article breaking down how Jalen Thompson essentially had a good play that he ran and then had a poor play that he ran, but it's not really his strength to be that center fielder being able to kind of pick passes off. He's more similar, I think, to Buddha in that regard. And it'll be interesting overall. What would be, I think, at least the progress right now, the Cardinals are 31st in yards, 29th in points uh, in passing yards. I think believe they just moved into 32nd overall um, ahead of the Bengals at least. And uh, the rush defense, at least granted has been somewhat improved. I haven't seen honestly a huge game. There's not been a single huge rushing game, like 200, plus yards to one back that we saw last year. But what do you feel like you need to see from Vance Joseph overall? And do you feel that it's more of a schematic issue with Vance, or does he need to have an offseason to improve or get better with the talent that he's here, and this is just going to be how it is for the Cards? I mean, I'll still have an open mind for, hey, surprise everybody and, you know, have your defense show up. 
and look like it's ready to cover someone. But part of the reason why the rush defense is, is uh, improved is, A, the defensive ends, the, the edge guys are selling out run, which is why you can bootleg and run wide on the Cardinals, run screen plays all day long because they don't play contain, and they're crashing down. And, you know, they're making plays. They're make, You know, those two guys are getting in and making some plays, but then it costs you on the other end. And then, you know, the coverages have just been so, so poorly conceived. Like that first 49ers game, we got mm-hmm. third and nine, you rush three men, you have a five-man under zone and three men deep, and you can't cover a guy. Right, Garoppolo I mean, was able to run know, up the middle. They had a tight end leaked out. It was just a per- it was a great play yeah. design with a, on a, against a, but I, I would agree with you, it was a poor decision in coverage. So why don't you run five man-to-man under with three safeties if you're going to rush three? Which I hate rushing three anyway. I mean, we know if this was B.A. and, and uh, Todd Bowles, they'd be rushing five, at least. You know, they'd be putting pressure on big time, which I, which I subscribe to as well. But, you know, in those situations, how can you dare leave a guy wide open at the stick Unless they did in those situations, a first of all with Emmanuel Sanders, with Patrick Peterson standing like three feet from him and not making a move and stuck in cement, and then the second one to the tight end Dwelly, who we're, we're making look like um, Jason Witten, <laughs> um, you know, covered him in in two games. Um, you know, what do you have? Two touchdowns against us in game two. Um, you know, it's just. It's not that hard, right. really. It's not that hard. I mean, you and I and Johnny could get in there tomorrow and say, okay, Peterson, your guard, we're, we're playing the, the Rams next. We're going to put you on, um, well, I, I, I don't know. I, I think Cooper Cup is the key to their, their team um, offensively, so I would put my best man on him. Uh, maybe I'm a little different than some other people, but uh, I don't want him him running free all day. Then, of course, the tight end, which I think Jalen Thompson can make a good strong safety, and I agree with your point there about uh, Jalen as a free safety. I don't think he's quite ready to play free safety, but he's versatile. They flip-flop the safeties. You know who surprised right. me is Buda Baker at free safety the last few weeks. I didn't think he had it in him. And now I'm starting to change my mind. I yep. mean, he's a heat missile when balls are caught underneath, which is what you want. Yep. And then he's starting to break up plays now. So he's starting to get accustomed. So I, I think Buddha back there with Jalen playing strong on the tight end is probably a pretty good move. Um, and I like Deontay Thompson, too. Um, he can flip-flop as well. We're probably yeah. going to need to add another safety to that mix, probably someone with a little more veteran experience uh, in free agency. Yeah, um, but... I loved, I loved Johnny's idea of Justin Simmons. I would go crazy. Yeah, I had, had another up. interception today. He yep. looked, uh, he looked phenomenal against broke Buffalo. the interceptions record. I believe for the Allen was getting close. So he still has not been able to pass Kyler Murray's uh, setting. I believe of over 200 consecutive passes without a pick. So Josh <laughs> Allen's streak did end today, but uh, we had a, a good conversation, at least if the Cardinals did end up keeping, um, you know, Vance Joseph around, they do have another free safety that's set to be a free agent, at least over in Denver. Um, that will be interesting because you're, you're right, Walter. The 
it's not to say that it will fix all of the issues and problems, but it does feel like the Cardinals put a whole lot of emphasis on getting DJ Swearinger as their box guy and then putting Buddha back because they just needed his athleticism. And when Swearinger um, basically seemed to show up and not wanting to play or to tackle, just looked like he didn't seem to agree, I guess you could say maybe even with the defense. Um, Buddha seemed to have picked it up the last few weeks. And I believe as of right now, as far as the free safety position, he's uh, what is it? Um, is it number one or number two in the in the Pro He's Bowl number voting? one in the NFC in free safeties. He's number two in the NFL. So he's outside of something crazy happening. He's going to make a Pro Bowl in his third year. And so just crazy. I think going into this offseason, he's going to be a big uh, contender for a contract extension. So you're going to be paying him like a premier safety. But, you know, I agree with you, Walter. I think he's best suited playing near the line of scrimmage. Being rangy, I like the two young safeties that they have. Jalen has, has been a little bit further along than Deontay. I think his skills translate better at the NFL if you watch him at the collegiate level. But you're right. They they need that veteran presence, that center fielder that they don't have on the roster. It was kind of like right. Antoine Bethea a couple of years ago. I think they were hoping DJ Swearinger would be that person. Obviously, that was a, a, a massive disappointment and a, and a disaster. So I think, and this is just my opinion, I would rather them – go the free agent route and get a veteran to kind of play that back end and to conduct, right. you know, the, the set, because you think about it, they've got Peterson, Alford, Byron Murphy. I mean, this, this secondary on paper should be one of the strengths of the defense next year. And then I, I would be hesitant to use premium draft capital defensively on the secondary when you're, when your front seven is so poor, when there's, I mean, you can make a legitimate argument. They need two to three, uh, replacements up front on the defensive line. They need at least two bodies at linebacker. So uh, I'm with you. I think the the best course of action for the secondary, just get a veteran in, because there are safeties of plenty that, that, that come available in free agency. Um, and then, you know, reallocate those resources for the line of scrimmage. So I want to, I want to flip the switch here, Walter, and, and talk about an article you've written uh, about David Johnson and what you've seen happen to his, play really over the last 12 to 18 months certainly since 2016 when he was you know borderline the mvp of the nfl what has happened to him is it injuries is it you know wear and tear on his body why has he taken such a dramatic fall uh from grace for the cardinals well yes injuries hurt um anytime you're out a whole year as you know johnny um that's gonna affect a player uh you know, David Johnson strikes me as, you know, has kind of at times he has his head in the clouds. And it's not bad. You know, that's you want guys who dream big. And he's always talking about fantasy stuff. And that always sort of bothered me. Um, you know, particularly I knew this year, knowing the, knowing the air raid, one guy isn't going to get 2,000 yards. The ball's going to be spread around enough. You know, and that that was very unrealistic, and I thought, you know, sort of naive on his part to be, you know, selling his fantasy fans on another 2,000-yard season, you know, combined rushing and and, uh, and receiving. But, you know, I thought recently, you know, looking into this a little bit, I think he misses B.A. I think B.A., you know, was – could press the right buttons on him. And, and, you know, there's different players react to different styles. Well, BA will snap you right out of having your head in the clouds pretty quickly 
you know, and, and uh, BA knew, knew how to ride Johnson. Um, we haven't, you know, McCoy and, and, and Cliff, I mean, McCoy, I don't know who he could ride right now. I mean, he was just so, <laughs> so blase. Yeah. But Cliff, Cliff is a nurturer by style. He's not going to, you know, rip Johnson. He, he, he expects, you know, um, his, his players to, um, motivate themselves and, you know, and, and, and for the most part they do. I mean, look at that offensive line. I'm, I'm so psyched to see finally our offensive line breaking out of the huddle with, you know, with some enthusiasm and these guys all have their heads in the game and it's so exciting to see, um, everyone on that offense does. You could feel their excitement. You can feel their confidence. Um, except David Johnson, ironically, he's just sort of like, uh, you know, um, walking through the motions. And the irony is, you know, you look at his PFF grades. I mean, he was still as productive in the first, you know, seven, eight games before he got injured, you know, but it wasn't the David Johnson that you and you and I know and love. It wasn't the, you know, the jump cutter, the slalom cuts, the, you know, big stiff arm, make people miss, you know, it was still like last year's version of like slow and deliberate and then getting dragged down or, you know, piled up. Um, so, I mean, what do you guys think? I, I just don't know, you know, what is going on with him, but it just seems mentally he's, he's, you know, sort of lost his edge. Yeah, I, I think for me, the biggest thing that I remember was the first game of the year, you saw almost 150 um, yards on the ground where they, you know, gave the ball to him a lot. He was involved in the passing game with that game ending touchdown that had the Cardinals able to um, convert and tie the game on a two point conversion after that. But there still seemed like there were yards that was left on the field. And I don't know how much of it, like you said, Walter, is is it coaching where they hired the Pittsburgh Steelers running backs coach and he's being He's been coached differently, but I still agree that mentally it looks like he's to some degree because he's not able to make the jump cuts and make guys miss. And the way that he's running, it almost seems like he's looking for contact. And when you do hit that contact, then you go down. And if that's the case, it almost seems like that there may be some sort of onus of whether it's an natural fear or not wanting to get hurt, or maybe it's just some sort of lack of either understanding or belief. It just feels like the when you talk about a guy who's got the hot hand, when there's that confidence, I think that that's the biggest thing that you can see of, you know, a guy like Kyler, he threw, uh, you know, he can throw an interception in a game and then be able to bounce back and be able to get a touchdown on the next play. I, I don't know if David Johnson has that same level of uh, same level of confidence, and he's certainly not showing it this year where he even got his first touch in the Buccaneers game and the ball was you know, immediately ripped away and fumbled and he didn't go back in the rest of the time. I just wonder if, you know, there's there's two ways you can respond. You can walk back to the coach and be like, hey, coach, that's on me. Next time I'm holding that in, I'm locking it in, I'm going to go down, and then going out and proving it. I just wonder if David at least has just had enough of the confidence that whether it's from the injury in 2017 or Mike McCoy or even just, you know, even the situation with his family of having received that paycheck and kind of having his future for the most part been secured – I just wonder at least if his heart overall right. is in it. And I wonder if the Cardinals to them that degree, at least if part of the Kenyon Drake trade was 
uh, and some of the additional snaps for Chase Edmonds, I just I feel like they can see it too. It, it doesn't. It's not hard to be able to watch when it looks like he's you know potting slowly, looking for contact. It's it's somewhat easy to see. And right. in that regard, I just hope that David's able to for you know, his own sake, he can at least make the choice of, hey, if you're ready to continue to be able to develop and, you know, improve in this game and to go back in and to, uh, if you've got that ounce of pride that you had to back up, then go for it. If you want to be able to say, hey, this is a dangerous game played by big, strong men and I'm ready to be able to, you know, wanting to be able to have to tap out for the most part, then at least be upfront and honest about some of that. You may have to, um, you know, not like saying that he'll retire, but be able to at least find a way because the coaching staff from what it looks like is doing everything they can to try to get David Johnson involved as much as possible. And the last thing where it's been left off has been, well, we're giving Kenyon Drake all of the different plays. The only time we've put David Johnson on the field is when we're going to fake the run and toss the ball here on fourth down. And it's unfortunate to see, but there's a lot of players that we've seen that kind of separates the good players who are a flash in the pan from those like the Larry Fitzgerald and those like the Chandler Jones who are able to compete year in and year out with that same level of consistency. Yeah, I, I have two things to add to that. One is um, that, hey, if you're standing on the sidelines and you see Chase Edmonds run for 126 yards and three touchdowns, <laughs> and then the, the, the trade for Kenyon Drake, and then you watch him run for run and catch for, what, over 160 yards versus the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Next time you get your butt in there, aren't you going to run like your hair's on fire? So why are we seeing that? Wouldn't that be the, just the natural reaction? Like, hey, these guys are trying to take my job. What are they doing? Well, let me show them who David John. Let me reintroduce myself, right? Except, no, he comes in. I mean, that sweep to the left that he ran looked like Grandma Moses in a wheelchair. I mean, it was ridiculously. I mean, it was like so slow motion. It looked like, you know, they, they had slowed the game down to show it in slow-mo. I mean, that was his first carry in that game. And you're like, what are you doing, man? I mean, it just looked absurd, you know? And then, of course, the fumble, which he's had, that's his, what, 16th career fumble? Not good. Not good at all. And that's one thing that's so great about our offense, right? I mean, Kyler Murray protecting the football and everybody else, I mean, we except for, uh, you know, the, the, the Keyshawn Johnson fumble at the end of that game last week, you know, we're not seeing fumbles. It's awesome. You know, we're not, you know, you know, turning the ball over. But right. my second point will be is that, you know, this does not look the optics of this on the heels of the Matthew debacle. I mean, these are the only two draft picks that Kime has re-signed to multi-year second contracts, right? Both of those came a year before he had to make those deals, tore them up after three years, both after season-ending injuries. Um, In Matthew's case, a little more severe, but still, you know, and both, I mean, Johnson's doing a Matthew. I mean, was Matthew ever looked like the same? Right. Has he got the money? Yeah, he plays a he plays a position that's I think more valued, and so it was easier for them to to or other easier for other teams to sell themselves on giving 
Tyron a, a nice deal because he can play corner and play a little safety. The situation with David, I think, is going to be fascinating. Um, if you if you if we can take our cardinal hat off for a second and just say, okay, here's a guy who was as productive as they come um, three years ago, but is seemingly production-wise, durability-wise, falling off a cliff. And now he's got this heavy uh, price tag that associates with him, that being his his cap hit for next year, $10 million guaranteed. You know, Blake and I have had this discussion many times. I, I think his, his contract is untradeable unless you're willing to package draft picks with it. And in that scenario, mm. for, a, for a team like the Cardinals who – have a good amount of cap space going into the next season and need their picks. Right. I I think the best case scenario is I, I would shut him down for the remainder of this year because I don't think he looks healthy right now, at least at the beginning of the season. Granted, he was not running effectively, but you know I, I'd make the argument maybe you, you wouldn't win Cincinnati or Atlanta without him making some nifty catches. You know, and I love Kenyon Drake. Right. He's not the receiver David right. is when David's right, but – much superior of a runner that that being Kenyon Drake. So I would, I would put him on IR and then come out next year. I try to bring back Kenyon Drake. And now you have a nice staple of, of backs. And like you mentioned, Walter, this air raid offense, the great thing about it is it, it highlights the quarterback. We're not beholden to a running back anymore. We're not beholden to one individual player in order to have right. success. And, you know, the Cardinals and, and specifically Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury has shown that it's a running back friendly offense and so anybody can really plug and play there assuming they know the offense so I think unfortunately you you almost unless you can find a taker and I'm sure they're going to explore that I no doubt in my mind that they're going to look for um, some kind of trade scenario but I I just don't I I don't know that you can that you can find anybody willing to take on that money you make great points I don't think so yeah unless it's BA or someone who you know could bail them out, uh, bail us out. I, I doubt it. I doubt it too. What do you guys think of moving him more exclusively to receiver? Well, I, it'd be great for him and the team if he could. You know, my worry is the, for this bye week he's been playing golf, and I'm thinking like he deserves it. Um, if I were him and his agent, I'd be like, I'd be out there training every day to come back to try to look like a semblance of the old, you know, Patrick Peterson, at least in coverage, because we know the other parts of his game he doesn't really like to do. Um, so, but uh, for me, the the deal's already done. Uh, I, I don't want to see him on another Cardinals team. Um, I, I, I just... I've been, you know, sort of uh, promoting a trade for him for a couple of years because the PP effect that I've been worried about is, you know, players, veteran players, just kind of having their own way with the organization, doing what what they want. You know, it, it, it ticks me off, too, that like a guy like Terrell Suggs doesn't practice all week, didn't go to OTAs, yet they play him yep. in the games. Yep, he's running half speed in the games, and and what he you know in that Bucks game when they scored at the, at the end of each half, if you go back and look, he didn't even try to rush, not even try. No, it's I been mean, an embarrassing I, effort. I, totally agree. Many many snaps, and I mean, you know, 
at least get yourself, say, coach, I need a break. Get somebody in for the team who will. Um, but it, it's just, you know, it's this kind of, this is where the culture is shifting, I believe. And I think we're seeing from Kingsbury and from Kyler, we get, there's going to be quite a new sort of focus on team players who want to practice hard and want to play the game the, the way it's supposed to be played and play it together and hard together. You know, Todd yep. Peterson is a diva. He's a star unto himself. Um, when, you know, he comes back one game, it was all about him. And um, I, I've had it with him. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to see him on another team. And maybe I'm being overreactive, but this has been building up for me for several years because, because I see a soft defense and I think he's part of the problem. You can run screens to his side all day long and teams know this. I mean, how many screen passes do we give up for chunk yards? I mean, I know. And I'm watching the Seahawks Seahawks today and their corners are coming up, blowing guys up. You know, I want a defense like that. I want a defense Seahawks defense. I want guys who come and bring it. Byron Murphy does. Byron Murphy brings the wood. I, I love that kid. He's going to be a star. He's going to be better than Peterson all around. Going to be. Well, I, I'm the coach. I totally yeah, agree with you, Walter. I, I think the, the, the Cardinals missed an opportunity to deal him last off season or mid season. Um, but they were in denial, and I think that's what happens when you have a franchise that has low self-esteem historically when you've never won, right. and, you, and you're concerned that other players are going to leave and, and win a championship like Aeneas Williams did. But I think it would have been in their best interest because you can't you, – you have to assume that when you part ways with players, it's for the best interest of your team, and, and they're, you can't be so down on yourself as an organization to, to think that they're not going to have – some level of success. But in the case of Peterson, it, the writing was on the wall. He's got one year left on his deal. It's going to be 30. Defensive backs tend to plummet after the age of 30 years old. He's, he's made it clear he's not going to resign with you. Not that I would give a 30-plus-year-old corner big-time money. They're not going to franchise him. Right. So it's just like you could have gotten – and Blake and I well, had heard rumblings, a first and a third, this this trading deadline. You don't think they would take that now knowing right. what they have and – you're just you're going to be in the you're going to be in the market this offseason to either have to resell him to your fan base and say everything is fine or on the flip side take the best that you can get and it's just it's unfortunate because you you look at the like you mentioned the way this team is trending Kyler Murray's team right it's it belongs to these younger players right. the Christian Kirks it doesn't belong to Peterson it doesn't belong to Terrell Suggs who who thankfully they can move on at, to after this year um and so those were just uh, as much as I can appreciate things that Steve Kime has done for this franchise, too many times it's just been short-sighted acquisitions. I, the Terrell Suggs deal came exactly right. on the heels of the Rosen-Murray um, press fire in the middle of March. And I, I'm convinced that they did that deal to, to try because they, for whatever reason, they sold it for like 10 days. They're like, hey, we're, we, you know. Yes, our quarterback situation's in flux, but we signed Terrell Suggs to a two-year deal. Now, I'm like, this reeks of a franchise that has low right. self-esteem and then is trying to right. dangle a bell on the opposite side to the fan base. Like, look over here. Don't worry about 
you know, us trading up for a quarterback and, and trading him back for pennies on the dollar. We signed a 36-year-old outside linebacker. So this the good teams, the great teams like Baltimore and New England are able to distance themselves and Seattle. Seattle distanced themselves from the Legion of Boom and they made it Russell Wilson's team. And Brady and Belichick every year they 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 turn over the roster. The Cardinals, for whatever reason, just have the toughest time to, uh, parting ways with older players that have done well for them. And then on the flip side, letting players like Marcus Golden or John Brown go and have success elsewhere when they're in their mid-20s. It just it baffles me to all that. Right. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit baffled as well. And some of that is because, you know, it's not that DJ Humphreys is a left tackle that you can say is, you know, elite when healthy. Um, it's not that you can say that he's a left tackle that is, you know, dominant in one area or the other. He's essentially an above-average left tackle who was taken in the late first round, and the Cardinals have seemed to be content to not want to spend a lot. I think that value is a huge issue with the Arizona Cardinals as far as trying to redeem value in the draft, trying to redeem value for when signing other players, and also trying to essentially, like, like you said even, John, you don't want to move on from picks that don't fully bust sometimes, and sometimes that can be unfortunate where you know the left tackle is the most important position on the field. Now, granted, what I think is important to bring up is that the play of DJ Humphreys this year has been the best that we've seen from him. He's had some of his strongest games in the National Football League. We saw him shut down Nick Bosa for the most part twice these last few games, which has been, I think, exceptional. Uh, he's only 25 years old. I think the issue comes down at least of how much of this is going to be due to the player and the talent finally being healthy having developed where it's worthy of you know paying what maybe the market will be or trying to get a upfront discount or how much of this is on Cliff Kingsbury, the scheme, and especially the coaching. Because after uh, essentially the first four games of the season, um, maybe it's the inclusion of the tight end, maybe it's been the coaching, but the offensive line has looked great, especially the interior, and that's a lot of upside. Walter, what do you think? Uh, what are your thoughts on Sean Coogler, the O line coach? Um, I'm really impressed. Uh, you know, Sean Coogler has been fantastic. He's finally a coach who's galvanized the line. Um, it's taken a while. Um, too bad we didn't have him with BA. Um, and I was never all that impressed with BA's line either. Maybe the first. first they had Belgier at left tackle. And, you know, when they got Belgier and Yupati for that one year where they had them healthy. But um, it's funny because once we finally got over the whole, you know, um, Murray or Rosen argument, most of the most of the fans at ROTV were pro-Rosen and what are you crazy drafting another quarterback. Now we had Murray. This argument shifted to, to well, it won't matter because our O line stinks, which went on ad nauseum for three months straight. And you know, Seth and you and I and others, you guys, we were trying to explain to people that when you have Kyler Murray at quarterback, it changes everything. It absolutely changes everything. And on top of that, you're running a spread. So how are you going to account for, you know, um, you know, matching up versus the spread, and and 
you know, um, worrying about play action with Kyler Murray and RPOs, right? And then defend the run. Well, suddenly, they're not stacking the box anymore, are they? And that's what drove us nuts last year. So they stack in the box on us, and we're still running right into a wall, you know, where we should have been play-actioning or just, just throwing the ball. But the numbers work in our favor. But you can see the passion of the players. Um, our two guards, I'll give a shout-out to them. I think they're pro bowl worthy, at least in the discussion. Um, I, I, I think they really are, and, and they're – you know, Sweezy's a little bit more mistake prone, but some of the holding calls on him, I thought, have been been really a stretch. Um, I don't think there were blatant holds at all, and um, you know, I think he's gotten sort of rooked on a couple of those. But Hugh's been outstanding. He's you know our highest graded line lineman. I'm so happy to see that because that was looking like another contract gone south. And um, you know, on that side of the ball, it's exciting. Plus, here's the kicker. One of the great signings of this offseason was Max Williams. My God. I mean, adding him on, you know, he is our Gronk-like blocker. The Patriots really miss Gronk in the running game, uh, by the way, this year. They're only averaging like 3.3 yards a carry, and largely because Gronk's not there, because you had to worry about Gronk in the past, but you also had, he was blocking like, like crazy, you know, so... Um, yeah, it's been really, really exciting to see. Um, you know, we still are, are up in sacks, but as you, you know, as I was trying to explain to some 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 people on the board this week, and I think you guys have seen this too. Kyler's still not, you know, has, doesn't have it down yet as to when to just sort of throw the ball away. And a number of those sacks, he took like two or three yard losses running out of bounds. Talk a bit about with David Johnson and the fact that the Cardinals are running a essentially college offense that is spreading teams out. They're getting numbers in that case that are very much right. lighter in the box. And still they're having issues with Johnson in the running game while they're seeing success with the likes of Chase Edmonds. And Kenyon Drake, T- talk a little bit about that, if you would, because I think that's super important for the Cardinals going forward, as well as, you know, having Murray as a threat in the backfield as well as right. the Yeah, the thing is, this is why, but because we're numbers work in our favor, Blake and Johnny, is this is why our running backs need to be fast. Okay, when we do run the ball, it's got to be now and hit the hole now. Yep. And this is why I'm saying – um, you know, uh, Chase Edmonds and, and Kenyon Drake break the 100-yard mark, whereas Johnson was around, you know, on his better games around 75. I could have had, if he was passing with no bad 100-yard games. You know, um, this is out of my mind. But this is not one deliberately type offense. If you're going to, you know, and Kingsbury's always been that way. His running backs need to be quick to the wall. And that's why he's favoring Drake and Ben. Yeah, Let me ask it you guys, makes total one, sense. Do you, guys, do you guys think that Chase Edmonds could be a lead back? Chase Edmonds could be a lead back? I I think yeah. that I I would need to see him do it over a elongated period of time um, because right. he had the breakout game. He's very productive in terms of yards per carry. And um, then he went down. I think if he did it over the stretch of maybe half a season, I would feel good about it. But 
you know, like we talked about earlier, I think I think we've evolved as a franchise where we don't have quote unquote lead backs. We have maybe starters, and then depending on how the game goes, we have guys who get into a groove. But uh, you made a great point. The the air raid is not meant for two thousand yard all purpose players. Um, outside of you know, if the Cardinals had a Christian McCaffrey on the roster or somebody of that caliber, you know, Saquon Barkley, um, that'd be a different conversation. But I, you're just looking for guys who can create space that can right. move laterally that have explosion basically unfortunately everything that's that's opposite of david johnson right now so i i would have no problem starting him over the course of a 16 game season if he if he's healthy um but i i think that the cardinals are going to be in good shape i would take with this offense i i'd be fine assuming they have the picks i'd take a back on day three every year and just stockpile and keep churning it over i yeah. i try to bring Kenyon drake back on a team-friendly deal. Hopefully, he'd be open to it. I like your um, analysis on on Revenge of the Birds, the contract you you proposed. But don't get crazy because out outside of you know Drake, you're you're still going to be paying David. You would assume, and so I I I love the notion that you've got a veteran that you're paying a little bit of money to, then you got a couple rookies that are inter- interchangeable, um, and that that's what guys like Mike Shanahan did, Bill, Bill Belichick, the, the coaches that have had. You know, I think that they're doing a really nice job. Kyle Shanahan, his offense is not, you know, dependent on one running back. And what we're seeing right now in the, with a team like Los Angeles, with the Rams, right. Gurley, without Gurley, what are they? Their offense is completely irrelevant and um, non-functional. So the, the Cardinals are dependent on Kyler Murray, and that's, in my opinion, the way it should be. But I like Chase Edmonds, and I'm, I, I, I'll give Steve Kime credit for that because as a fourth-round pick, I thought oh, that might be a little rich, but his production has certainly warranted that selection. I agree, and I love, um, I love how Larry Fitzgerald has picked out a few guys that he just raves about their work ethics. And Chase Edmonds is, is everything that David Johnson is in, in terms of preparation. I mean, he is, you know, he's the last one off the field. You know, he, he's got all the blocking assignments patterned out. He he doesn't make those, you know, assignment errors. Um, he's just, a, you know, as a second-year player, he's a real pro. It's amazing. I mean, a kid from Fordham. Um, but, you know, his attitude and, and his approach. And then now, to watch him run the way he did against the Giants and, and in other games, um, He's got the feet now in the field. So I'm not all that nervous about if we can't sign Drake. I want him to sign Drake, and I agree with you, um, Johnny, that I'd love to see that stable of running backs come back and, and um, you know, spread the wealth. But uh, but I don't know. There's something about uh, Chase I think is pretty special. And I, too, would give Steve Crime, Steve Crime a lot of credit for that signing and I hope we'll see a healthy uh, Edmund when we come back. Walter, you've been around a lot of Cardinals coaches. Um, talk a little bit about Cliff Kingsbury. What's been special about him so far? Well, he's very well prepared to start games. I mean, how many times have we gotten the ball and driven right down the field? You got a field goal or a touchdown. Our scoring percentages are, you know, including field goals, right up there in the top. 10 of the league. So, um, you know, his, his offense is constantly moving the ball. Um, but the funny thing is, is that the, the, the wonderful thing is, is I think that he's, 
been been playing, calling the games very conservatively um, until lately he started to take a little more, you know, a little more risks. Um, I'm confused as to why we're not scoring more in the red zone, but I know this typically, you know, score if you don't take shots at the end zone. And that's my biggest complaint is that, you know, we get down there close and into the, into the red zone and we're always throwing underneath the end, end zone. Now it worked with, with uh, Cooper last week because he got two nice blocks and he made a nice um, plant and cut and deke the defender and bowled his way in. Which, by the way, I, I like this kid, Farrow Cooper, uh, as a role player. I think he, he's, he's uh, you know, doing a good job. Um, and I like their, their young receivers. I'd like to see in these last five games, I'd like to see Cliff just turn it loose. I mean, really turn it loose. Just have a game where you start off the game throwing it 12 times. You just come out, bang, 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 bang. And here's the other thing that, that, that I wish he'd do more of is I think Kyler's better. The faster the play, the, the tempo is, the better Kyler is. And um, I, it, it's lately it's been sort of agonizing. I still cannot believe with my own two eyes, I watched in a two-minute drill Kyler take 24 seconds off the clock in under a minute waiting to snap the ball that to me defies everything that any anyone who's ever played football would know and it must have been that he thought the clock was was stopped is the only justification i can think of yeah that that game as we all know the biggest enemy is the clock so you know i mean there's no way you're going to score if the clock runs out plus it was a fourth down, so it was a critical down. But hey, you got to snap the ball and and go. Um, that's the other thing that I I'd like to see is that when we do get in the two minute drill, not a big fan of the just throw the check down for five yards. And and in that situation last week, that was the last thing you'd want to do with thirty seconds left and a chance to tie the game. Uh, do you do you ever listen to Gambo? <laughs> Gambo, oh, I, I love it. Um, you know, I'm a native New Yorker, so I I like that kind of humor. But he's been screaming the last few weeks. You knew they were going to score. How many would be honest? You just knew they were going to drive down the field and score after after the Cardinals took the lead. And he's on these rants, and he's so right. I mean, I just hundred percent convinced. Of it too, and I think knowing Kyler Murray, he was too. He knew it. Look at how dejected he was on the bench at Tampa Bay once he threw the interception. I mean, he knew right then. Uh oh, I just lost us the game. Which of course he didn't. He played a great game, but he just knew with this defense, you know, the other team is just going to march right down easily. And of course, what what was it on the first play? What was it? Godwin went for like 46 yards and, uh, you know, um, you know, on a, on a, on like a seam route, you know, on the very first play. And now they're already in Cardinals territory, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's, but those are stuff 
that's the kind of stuff that I'm hoping that Kyler will take a page out of um, Russell Wilson's book and be that kind of guy late in games that can, you know, um, be the guy to win games in the way that Russell Wilson does. Um, that's, that's not something I don't think you can do right away. He's done it. Um, you know, he's done, done it so far in the sense that he's gotten us a lead, but unfortunately it's been with too much time left and with our defense, they coughed it right back. And then he's had little time, you know, when you have 30 seconds and one timeout left, you know, it's pretty hard to go a whole way football field. So, but yeah, with Cliff, I, I'll just add one more thing about Cliff is that, uh, you know, it's tough when you're, you know, I, I have to admire Cliff. He inherited a largely NFL staff. And I think he's won the coach's respect, which is huge for one. Cause you know, I mean, I'm sure, you know, uh, and pro coaches are used to doing things their own way. And, uh, you know, I know this from, from, from coaching high school is, you got personalities as assistant coaches and you try to please everyone, but it's hard to do. You know, there's always someone who wants you to run the ball more. There's always someone who wants you to pass the ball more. And, you know, Cliff does a smart thing on the sidelines. You see him talking to anybody? No. And I think he's smart. I think at those moments, you know, I think he, he just has to be, he knows he's not going to be able to, please everybody, but he's just got to do his own thing. And I think we haven't quite seen him put it this way, Kingsbury unplugged yet. And I'd like to see that once in one of these next few games where, where he just, unlike what Ben Albright said, I don't think he's on, on watch for, you know, I think the Cardinals know what they have now. What they have to do is figure out, um, you know, the defensive side. And because we've, we've got a great combination in Kingsbury and Murray and want to see them for years to come. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about um, the Cardinals with free agency, with some of their future draft plans. Um, the biggest thing I think overall that we're going to be looking at is Cardinals need to tackle, they'll need a free safety. Uh, they need quite a few positions overall on the field. So, Walter, where would you begin as far as um, looking at the Cardinals' needs? Are you bringing Humphreys back? What would be some of the places and positions you would address, and how do you think that that will look for the 2020 cards, potentially? Yeah, I, I, it starts at left tackle for me. Um, I'm curious to see if DJ Humphreys can can um, make it through the next five games. That would be a uh, feather in his cap if he's got – his first 16 game season, you know, I'd like DJ and I, I, but I don't like him at, at, you know, top five tackle money. Um, that's very unrealistic for me. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, there are some guys out there that, uh, I'd rather draft a tackle in the left tackle in the first round than pay DJ Humphrey 16 million a year. Um, I, I just don't think, you know, I think he's, he is injury prone until he proves otherwise, and uh, and he's mistake prone. But I have to say this: I 
got to give him credit for the second time round versus Bosa, which was encouraging. He played a better game and, and, you know, he had a little help from Larry Fitzgerald <laughs> on a couple of face plants, <laughs> which I love. Um, but, uh, yeah, it starts at left tackle for me. Um, and, uh, you know, on defense, we need that uh, left defensive edge player. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that we can address that in free agency because I don't think we're going to be high, high enough in the draft to take Chase Young, unfortunately. Boy, that I've been missing out on Nick Bosa, but coming up with Chase Young in, in the next year, people would go crazy. But uh, unless we can find a way to trade up, because um, I don't think we're going to be one or two in this year's draft. But who knows? Um, but those are two big spots. Uh, I thought Hicks was a real hit in free agency. I, th- I you know, kudos to Kime there. We need another linebacker next to him, someone who can cover. Yeah, um, you know, I, I I love Corey Littleton from the Rams. I think it would be a coup to pair him up with Hicks. And Littleton can cover. I think he's got four interceptions this year. Um, it might be one of them. Yeah. I, I agree with that, Walter. I think after so many misses at linebacker in in the draft, they're better off just signing free agents at that at that position until they find the right combination with with the misses on Reddick and Buchanan. Right. Yep. Johnny, are you keeping Peterson for next year, or are you? I mean, I, you want to move on? Well, I would have moved off of him way long before this. Um, I I'm not yep. going to give him away. Um, at this point, because you, you would assume, let's say it plays out where it becomes a free agent at, the, at next season's end, you're going to get a comp pick way down the line of a third round pick. So anything that you would get for him for a year's worth of service would have to trump that. I, I put in my article, I would call Tampa Bay, who's long lusted after Peterson and, and try to do a straight up for O.J. Howard right. type of deal. Uh, I, w- right. I think they're going to have to get creative, but I, I think they're going to keep him. Uh, I would have moved him you know, at the deadline, at last year's deadline in the offseason, but I think he's 30 years old, damaged goods, but you, you never know. You call certain owners, and maybe they want to take a chance. But I uh, I like what you what you said about the tackle position, and I, I would be very hesitant to give G.J. Humphreys um, – let's assume he plays all 16 games and, and does his play doesn't fall off a cliff. I'd be very hesitant to give him top five tackle money. I would fr- I'd be comfortable franchising him and make it make him do it all over again next year and say, okay, let's see you play 30, 30 plus games in two years. Let's see how consistent your your play will be in a division with some good pass rushers. And then at the end of 2020, if you if you do it again, we'll give you a nice contract. But I I would be man, I would be very I, couldn't you just see a scenario in which you pay him? Big time money, and then you got you hate to say it, but like first quarter of next year he goes down. And he's like, Well, I got right. my guarantees, and I'm okay. But there's a sense of urgency with him this year that hasn't been there. And I I honestly I hate to say this. I hope it's a direct result in Kingsbury and his scheme, but I think it has more to do with I'm I'm close to my big payday. And you I think if you're kind, as much as you would like to put a feather in your cap and say, Look, I finally extended one of my first rounders. I think he, I think you better be awfully careful because yes, he would get big money on the free agent market. You've got that franchise tag for a reason. Use it 
make him do it again next year. If he doesn't, you cut bait. If he does, maybe you talk about an extension. But I would double down on tackles um, either in free agency and in the draft, specifically in the draft, where if you're maybe you're not sold on a specific player at, let's say, seven or eight, you you feel pretty good with this tackle class. There's going to be a tackle worth taking there. Maybe you play a you know a Tristan Wirfs or an Andrew Thomas at right tackle his first year, then you you move him over to left tackle um, in 2020. But if Humphreys plays well, I think that's a good problem to have. I I think you can never go wrong stockpiling players at the line of scrimmage. And I think where the Cardinals have gotten in trouble recently is they are so thin, specifically on the offensive and defensive line, that it's allowed teams to push them around. And so uh, I'm right there with you. I would I would be right. very careful. Um, with with the extension of DJ, because if he were to go down, you'd be in big trouble. The thing that worries me about the the franchise tag for Humphreys is that'd be a quarter of our free agent money. Um, you know, finally free agent money, and it's guaranteed. You know, yeah. and, and um, almost a quarter of our free agent money, and for sixteen million, we could get five starters, good starters. You know, um, you know, medium range salary which probably, starters, which is probably why they will extend him. I agree with that. That's not what I would do. I would still, I'd be very care- careful because I still think off season number two with Kyler Murray is still going to be valuable. Meaning a, a year from this spring, and you're going to have a ton right. of additional money free up. I just, if if you're if you're putting a lot of eggs in the DJ Humphrey basket, and I liked your idea of of bringing in Trent Williams. But I don't think just because of the fact that Kime wants to prove to the fan base and to ownership, like I found a player, he's a good player. They they are not, I, I can say this with 99% certainty, outside of major injury in these last five games, they are not letting him walk. They're, they're going to bring him back in some, in either a long-term deal or the franchise tag. So they will probably extend yeah. him is probably what will happen. I. And what, will a rookie be better than Humphreys next year? Pro- maybe, but probably not. Even Ronnie Stanley, his first year with Baltimore, was just okay. I think so. And he's still uh, the thing for Humphreys is he's still relatively young, so you can sell yourself yeah. on the fact that he may be improving. But he he's going to be around long term. Yeah, it'd be nice to know too if they could play Joshua Miles for a couple games to see what we have in him. Um, can imagine if he's just as good. Um, I was impressed with him in in, um, in preseason. Uh, he's got good feet and good bounce for a guy his size. But, of course, he's raw and you never know. But, but it would be nice to know, get a look at him. Um, but I don't want to see DJ get hurt. And I, I agree with you. I think um, the odds are if I were a betting man, I'd bet it all on Humphreys being a Cardinal next year. Um, so I totally agree with that. I don't agree with with that necessarily unless he he does play and play well in these next five games if he gets hurt i mean i think that's going to be a sign that you know uh uh-oh here we go again if he ends up on the ir again um for the you know now fourth year in a row um you know the and then of course it was just ridiculous they didn't play him one snap his rookie season um that was just you know, um, but I I like the player, I do, and I I think you make all the right points on that. Um, let me ask you one question before we go about next year's free agency. Um, 
aside from, you know, uh, aside from, from tackle, could you see the Cardinals making a move at center in free agency? I, I would, or I would look in the draft to upgrade that position. I think there have been talks internally to bring back AQ Chipley on a one-year deal. I think they like having Mason Cole as their sixth offensive lineman. Um, I would always be trying to up, upgrade that interior. And, I mean, Shipley is what he is at this point. I you know, I was critical of his, his missed block on third down last week that cost them a first down and a chance to ice that game. But he has been um, strong this year in pass pro. And if we've seen anything, it's that this, this coaching staff can manufacture a run game and all they really care about is pass protection. So if he's able to come back next year on a, on a cheap contract, that's fine. I don't see them signing a free agent center. Uh, if anything, maybe they take one in, in the mid rounds, but I would like to see Mason Cole get a chance for, for 16 games. Cause I think he is, he has a, he has a, he has a plus on, um, on the offensive line in terms of the run run game, but they like the veteran that Kime likes AQ Shipley as a player and has for some time. So I think you're more likely to see this exact same combination of four linemen next year, plus maybe um, a rookie competing with um, their current right tackle in, uh, in, in sure. Justin Murray, who, who played well last week. Yeah. So, which I mean, again, if you've got Cole and a first round rookie tackle on your bench or, Weaving in and out of that lineup next year, you, you're going to be you're going to be in pretty good shape, I think. Right. No, that's that's a great point. I, it'd be nice if Justin Murray were the answer. He's an exclusive rights free agent, so we get him for cheap again next year. Um, and and uh, you know, based on what he did last week, coming off his injury he was pretty impressive. Uh, um, he looks like a guy to me who just needs to get some experience. Uh, looks like he's got the tools. I mean, he's never, like, up until this year, he's never really played much in games. So, um, but uh, but I, with Sean Kugler in charge, I, I feel pretty good about what, and I, I, I'll tell totally you this, I've watched a lot of tape on Lamont Galliard. I love that kid's mentality and his toughness. And um, I, I think we've got a, a, an interesting young player there. And then let's not forget Max Garcia, um, well, you know, I think they'll re-sign again. I mean, they wouldn't have kept them all this year to, you know, uh, and he'll kill Cup at a minimum because he hasn't played much. But uh, I think that they're 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 doing a nice job. They did in this off season, at least, in bringing players like Sweezy that may not be top tier at their position, but really all this team needs and has needed is consistency. Somebody who can play. 14, 15, 16 games and how valuable that is in today's NFL. You can be average across the board in the offensive line, but if you're healthy, that's a, that's a check in your box, in my opinion, for, for, for having a winning formula offensively. Where you get in trouble, and we saw this last year, is how many combinations of offensive line, linemen did we see over the course of 16 games? And so if they're able to bring back – I think they view this as – if they're able to bring back all five of these guys next year – you go into camp with these five again. You're, you're talking about another year of maturation with Kyler Murray. He's not taking some of the sacks he's taken this year. I feel like they think that that's a win, and I'd be I'd be hesitant to disagree as long as when guys like Pugh and AQ and Jr. on the close to the end of their deals or as they're getting older, 
You have guys to supplement right. within the pipeline. So I, I, I like this mentality, right. and I, I applaud the, some of these moves that they've made. All right, last question for you. Would you do you want to, you know, CD Lamb in, in, in round one? I'll let Blake take that one. <laughs> yeah, I think at least for me, it just feels like it's almost a perfect fit. You have a need for outside receiver. You have need for a guy who is an alpha dog. You have a need for someone who can be able to separate, be able to make plays, make contested catches, be able to make um, back shoulder throws. And there's already chemistry that you've seen for uh, being able to play together for two years, one on the field, one while he was sitting as a essentially transfer behind Baker Mayfield. Uh, just feels like it is a fit for the Cardinals, not just for you know the next year competing now, but the next 10 years, especially as if you're looking at Larry Fitzgerald retiring soon. So I feel like it's not that it has to be one player, one fit only. It just feels like it's such a natural fit that it makes almost too much sense if the Cardinals are in that position. I think a lot of people wanted to have Christian Kirk kind of as your wide receiver one, but he's more of the yards after catch, not, not as much of that big takeover games alpha dog. That's not who he is. Nope, that's not who he is. Right. Perfect, perfect alternate to CeeDee Lamb. Their, their games are so different if you watch Lamb play yeah. and, and they, they, would, they would really complement each other so well. I've come around, Blake had to convince me. I've had to come around to it because I am very much of the mindset that, you know, receivers and backs don't mean anything if you can't pass protect. And I love the two top tackles in this draft. But he could sleepwalk his way to 1,000 yards in this offense every year. He plays receiver like a like a running back. I mean, his yards after catch, yeah, they don't have that on the roster right now. They don't right. have somebody who can snatch the ball out of the air and, and turn up field and break tackles. I love Christian Kirk. That's not his game. Larry's 35-plus years old, and the rest of the receivers are built on route running and, and speed like Isabella. They do not have a, a physical – and I think that goes back to your point, Walter, of the, the red zone struggles. It's a little bit of a combination of – they don't have the smash right. mentality up front on the offensive line. It's a finesse offensive line, which has done fine. And then they don't have those big physical targets in the red zone with respect to Fitzgerald. We saw Max Williams drop that touchdown pass. We've seen the, the you know David Johnson production fall. They don't have a physical presence in the red zone that he immediately becomes where you can, in one-on-one -on -one coverage, throw a slant to him and, and he'll body people. And I, because they've been so successful from 20 to 20, the 20 yard mark to the other, and then they have, they have fallen off in terms of being able to cash it in for six. That is to me, the biggest selling point to try to bring CD lamb on this football team, because I've seen what somebody like DK Metcalf has done for Seattle, who needed that big body receiver to go with Tyler Lockett. I think Christian Kirk projects to me as a Doug Baldwin kind of player. And then CD lamb, I, I would, put him in the, in the category of like a Mike Evans. I think he can be that kind of player, especially with this offense, with, with this head coach and, and this quarterback. So um, I just, I hope that in the process, I'm not worried about the defensive players they would potentially pass on because like you mentioned, Walter, I don't think Chase Young's going to be in the discussion. I don't want them to take another off ball linebacker. I'm not interested in the safeties in this class. It really is going to come to, and I don't think there's a dominant defensive tackle right now that I would consider. It's really going to come down to, if there is a franchise caliber left tackle and CeeDee Lamb, it, it would be very it would be a very di difficult decision, I think, for them to make. But as Benjamin Albright said, 
last week when we talked to them, they they feel like their offensive line is in a better place than some, and they're infatuated with Lamb. So I, it's November, but it's crazy to think like that could already be the pick. The two, you love the two tackles. I'm assuming Andrew Thomas, and um, which is Tristan your second? Worth. Yeah. You think Worse can play left tackle? Yes. Uh, so Iowa breeds just perennial Pro Bowl offensive linemen and now tight ends uh, with Kittle and then the two first rounders they had. They have one of the best offensive line uh, program de- development programs in the country. Kirk Ferentz yeah. was a former professional offensive line coach. Um, right. And so I, I, I think Worse can play left tackle. I think he is his upside is more of a dominant run blocker and a hopefully a plus pass protector. But I, I would have no problem in today's NFL where you need two capable tackles. I mean, if you take Tristan Wirfs eighth overall and stick him at left or at right tackle for 10 years, I, I would have no problem with that, um, especially when this, this team wants to run right behind Sweezy. Um, so I think he, he again, he hasn't he hasn't declared and there's been talk of him potentially staying at the University of Iowa. But I think. There are three players in this draft right now that I would just do backflips over. Um, the Cardinals acquiring, assuming Chase Young is off the board, is is Worf Thomas of Georgia and then CeeDee Lamb. I think those three players, again, it, it feels kind of dirty to talk about ac- acquiring uh, offensive help when the defense is so atrocious. But I, I just think it's the long-term play. I think we've seen so many examples of quarterbacks in the NFL. We're seeing it with Houston right now where they've just – they, for whatever reason, ne- neglected the offensive line and they had to go desperate. Deshaun's taken all these hits. I think you continue to try to double down on on help for Murray up front. And then, you you know, if you're not able to get CeeDee Lamb, let's say you either pass on him or he goes ahead and you take one of these two tackles. I don't want Cardinal fans to feel frustrated because unlike no, tackles, right. tackles generally, if you're taking a, a tackle early, that's th- those are – the ones that are going to develop and, and prosper. You can't really get outside of an outlier or two capable tackles on day two or three, really d- late day two or three. Uh, there are good tackles in the second round. Receivers can be. F- right. Yes. Right. Yeah. But receivers can be found anywhere. Free agency, day two, day three. Sure. Um, you, you would think Christian Kirk's going to have a big jump from year two to three. Keyshawn Johnson, Andy Isabella, um, you get he can Butler back. Don't forget. But if you have C.D. Lamb significantly rated higher than both tackles, that's that's a different conversation. I I do not want them. Hopefully they won't to draft C.D. Lamb if he's a lesser prospect than Andrew Thomas or Tristan Wirfs, just because. Well, we have DJ Humphreys. Why do we need one of these two players? I think that that's what gets this franchise in trouble. Why they right. why they came out of this draft in, in 2019 so well was because they put everything aside and they said we're just going to take the highest highest rated guys because we know our roster is bottom tier. It's at I, I called it expansion level, and so they took a corner at 33. And I didn't love the pick, but they said he was a stud, and clearly it's come to fruition. Quarterback was too good to pass up, even even though they had Josh Rosen. If they take this mentality that they had in, in this previous draft into 2020, I think we'll be in really good shape. Positional value does have value, yeah. though. I'm talking about cornerstone positions like pass rusher, offensive tackle, and then in Kingsbury's offense, I would put receiver in that category. Right. Yeah, I think you made a great point about number one wide receiver. I mean, 
two and three wide receivers, number two, three, and four are easy to find. That number one stud, look at what Amari Cooper's done to the Cowboys. You know, look at how inept way they were previous to having him. Um, that stud wide receiver, Michael Th- Thomas, um, you know, it means a lot in this league now. And it's one of the reasons why the Patriots are so frustrated is they don't have that. They're hoping Nikhil Harry will develop into it. But um, so you make all the great points. Uh, have you checked out Alaric Jackson from Iowa at tackle? Is he an underclassman? Yeah, they've got quite a program. And uh, I was watching both um, Wurtz and Jackson, and it just struck me. It just felt to me, and I, I only watched um, two games, so I, it, that's not a that's a small sample size. But I kind of like Jackson better at left tackle than I do Wurtz. Um, I think Wurtz would be like an all-pro right tackle, uh, you know, and he's a stud, and I, I'd love to have him. Wish we could have two first round picks, but um, well, I would compare you know, it to what the Niners did with McGlinchey, where they knew they had Joe Thomas and they took McGlinchey, and he's a really good right tackle for them, and they, I think they're going to keep him at right tackle. Absolutely, and in today's game, I think that uh, things are evening out a little bit more. About you know, you got need you need bookends. I mean, you know, uh, the the pass rushing is so good now. And, um, you know, you need them on both sides. Plus, if you got a weak link at right tackle, they're just going to shift people over. You know, like the Ravens did, putting Judon over on our right tackle and crushing us all game. Uh, that was really tough. That, that, that player, Judon, is a free agent. I would love to grab him. He is tremendous off that edge. And, uh, you know, he might be a little pricey, but... Um, but it's been it's been really great talking football, Cardinals football with you guys. You're so knowledgeable. I I love reading your stuff, Johnny. I've been a, it's been a boon to have your articles now. Um, on, oh, appreciate on the it. Site. Thank you, sir. Oh, you're an excellent writer. So is Blake. Blake's a master of detail. Um, and um, you know I I love your uh, your your post game articles. So keep up the great work. And I I hope the next time we talk. I was hoping maybe we could talk a little bit about Steve Kime and um, and whether, uh, you know, um, what the future holds for him in Arizona. I have some thoughts on that. I know you do, too. I've been reading your stuff, and uh, maybe we could devote a, a podcast to that because it's going to be a critical decision. Absolutely. That should just about do it for us tonight here with the Revenge of the Birds podcast. So um, let's go ahead and as we kind of close out, Walter, if you want to go ahead and plug your Twitter handle and as well as where you'll be featuring your content, uh, we love having you on as one of our um, staff writers that we have with some uh, amazing perspective on the Arizona Cardinals. So why don't you go ahead and uh, drop that at and yourself a plug here if you don't mind. (laughs) It's at WBJ Mitch. That's my Twitter. Um, I got. Um, I'd love to to have more people to follow, and I've, I've got uh, my two favorites right now are are Blake and Johnny. So um, I got it covered with them. But uh, there you go. But the but Blake, you are amazing. You're like Twitter master. You're you're worse than Trump, man. You're incredible. You're out there. Uh, 
He's got the memes ready to go man. every week, man. It's awesome, man. Just excited for the last five games. I hope we get a sig- signature win. That would uh, feel good going into, um, you know, 2020. And, um, you know, I think that if that if uh, Vance Joseph doesn't show marked improvement over the next five weeks, I think we, you know, we moved on from McCoy and look how that worked out. I, I, I hate to say that because I like the guy. I, you know, I love, love his, you know, um, you know, his personality, his charisma and everything, but man, you got to cover people in the NFL and we're not covering people in the next five games and giving up these late leads. Uh, you know, it's going to be hard to keep them. So, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how these games go. And I think a lot's on the line. And I happen to think personally, and I've heard a couple rumblings of this, that, you know, um, that it could be times last five games. So um, we'll see how this goes. And uh, that's why I was hoping maybe at some point in the, in the future we could talk about that. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Well, that'll just about do it for us here. Uh, thanks again to Walter for joining. I'm at Blake Murphy 7 Joined, as always, by at Johnny Touchdown. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and follow the podcast at ROTBpod. Also looking on RevengeOfTheBirds.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Radio, TuneIn Radio, anywhere that you find podcasts to listen to. Thank you all, folks. Join in after the bye week for the Cardinals closing out the season.